Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. There are a lot of remarkable things about the Easter story from the very beginning of what we have just heard. One, it is three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who experience the empty tomb. Remarkable because in first century Israel, women were far from equals and not considered reliable witnesses. Two, on the way, they are asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone for us? They don't have it all carefully planned out. They don't know how they are going to be able to get inside the tomb to Jesus' body. And three, when they arrive and discover that the stone had already been rolled back and encounter the young man angelic appearance and hear his message, do not be alarmed. Go tell his disciples that Jesus is raised and is going ahead of you to Galilee. They are very much alarmed, filled with terror and amazement, and they say nothing to anyone. I don't know about you, but I find comfort in those points. It's the start of the good news for us this morning. Who are the ones God chooses to first share the Easter story with, to first experience Easter? Not who you would expect, but rather the unexpected. Women deep in sadness who are taken by surprise, alarmed, when they encounter God's intervention. Even more remarkable about this Easter story is the God who is revealed in this Easter story in the Holy Week, Good Friday Easter events. At one point or another in life, we all wrestle, don't we, with the question, where is God in the middle of suffering? Where is God when people are murdered in cold blood? Where is God when things seem hopeless? Where is God when we are exhausted, spent, where is God when we are feeling alone, distressed, forsaken? Well, this is why I feel it is important on Good Friday to remember, as we did on Good Friday, what we as Christians believe to be true about Jesus. Namely, that Jesus was not merely a good, super-inspirational person, that Jesus was not merely an important prophet, not merely even a great martyr, but Jesus was God, 
We believe Jesus was God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Let that sink in. And then, and then, ask yourself the question again. Where is God in the middle of all this? Where is God in the middle of suffering, oppression, cold-blooded murder, feelings of exhaustion, abandonment, and forsakenness? Entering into it. Entering into it. Feeling it. Knowing it. Not throned above, remotely high, untouched, unmoved by human pains. But God, God's own self, knowing, experiencing every aspect of humanity firsthand experiencing it in God's own self, standing alongside the least and the lost, standing alongside us when we are at our least and when lost. God enters in to suffering and oppression and injustice. Okay, okay, but as someone has pointed out, if you have fallen into a well and you're in danger of drowning, you don't just want someone to fall in with you and accompany you in your suffering. You want someone, don't you, with a long ladder or a long rope to help you out, to help get you out, to rescue you. And so what is even more remarkable about the God revealed in Scripture is that the same God who accompanies, delivers, rescues, saves. God doesn't just hear the cry of God's people. God acts in history to deliver them. God doesn't just empathize with us when we are discouraged. God equips us with courage. God doesn't just grieve when people are crushed under the wheels of systemic injustices and give us the gift of compassion to minister to the victims, God gives us the will and the means to jam a stick into the wheels of injustice and stop them from turning further. God doesn't just meet us where we are at the empty tomb. God goes ahead of us to Galilee. It is God's nature to run out ahead. Easter, John Claypool reminds us, means that God 
refuses to stop loving or to give up on creation, but moves to repair the damage and to say once again that God really is for us and not against us. Three days after his crucifixion, word is out. He is risen. He's gone ahead of you to Galilee. He's on the road to Emmaus, where he will be known in the breaking of bread. He's on the way to the upper room to say, peace be with you. He'll call Mary by name. He'll meet Thomas in his doubts. He will reinstate Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The promise of that first Easter is the promise of this and every Easter. God says, I will not give up on you. In fact, I'm going ahead of you. What what is your Galilee? What is on your near-term horizon? What's been weighing heavily on your heart or mind these days? Think of some place now that you have to go or will be going, something you have to do or need to do or will be doing. Think of something out there in your near or long-term future that you are feeling a bit unqualified for, unprepared for, greatly astonished by, fearful about. Do not be alarmed. The good news of Easter is you don't have to wonder so much what you're going to do or say when you get there. You don't have to do that so much as you need to be alert for what God already has been doing in saying in that circumstance. Because God is already there. God always goes ahead of us. Our job is to remember that and to look for God's presence, to notice God's presence and power and to draw upon it. Christ is risen and is going ahead of you. Look for the presence of the living God there beyond the horizon. God is beyond the horizon of your exhaustion. God is beyond the horizon of your qualifications. God is beyond the horizon of your preparedness or your sense of worthiness. Christ is risen and is going ahead of you. There you will see him, just as he told you. Wherever you are, wherever you are going, have no fear. God in Christ is risen and is already there. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.